0: George Rodriguez.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. This is George Rodriguez once again, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. Welcome to the show, my friends. We're talking new broadcasting all the way from beautiful San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Um, let's uh, let's uh, introduce our program today real quick because I think we've got a, a very, very good one. First of all, we've got uh, – first on deck is going to be um, uh, Ira Fellman, Mr. Ira Fellman, who is uh, with FAIR, uh, the immigration uh, r- uh, reform organization out of D.C., and uh, we're going to chat with him a little bit uh, about what's going on uh, as far as uh, from his perspective with immigration. We also have two young men. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you uh, heard about the incident at Texas State University this past uh, week, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, well, we've got um, uh, Sebastian Quaid, who is um, who is uh, the president of the uh, Young Conservatives of Texas at Texas State. He's going to give us. Uh, a direct blow-by-blow uh, blow of what actually happened. We also have uh, Sharab Sharma, who is the president, the, the state president of Young Conservatives of Texas, who's going to chat with us about uh, his organization reaching out into the college community because, my friends, we really, really need it there. Uh, and finally, we've got uh, Mr. Mike Cutler, uh, who is uh, a former immigration uh, agent uh, who is a speaker and uh, writer, uh, publisher, and uh, Mike's going to be chatting with us about um, the uh, what he has seen as far as um, uh, immigration, uh, it, the, the investigations aspect of it, which means the uh, folks that get into the um, into the country illegally, how it is that we uh, try to find them, and uh, what what needs to be done. Uh, so I think we've got a very very good program. Uh, real quick before we go uh, to our first interview, uh, it was very, very interesting how the fake news jumped all over uh, President uh, Trump's uh, court decision or program rather, not the court decision, but his program that uh, he's going to be working around sanctuary cities. Uh, the sanctuary cities themselves are breaking the law. But uh, according to CBS uh, TV news, uh, President Trump is trying to undermine the law. Ah, I just can't believe I cannot believe that. So anyway, uh, let's go to our first uh, interview, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP, 930 AM radio. The answer. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we have a, a special guest, an interview with uh, Mr. Ira Millman, who is uh, the uh, executive director of the uh, for media for FAIR. Uh, welcome to the show. Ira, can you tell us one more time what it, what the acronym Fair is?
2: It is Federation for American Immigration Reform, and we are a uh, nonpartisan organization that seeks to represent the interests of the American
1: people in the immigration debate. Gotcha. And we quote Fair quite a bit on our show. We uh, we, we uh, report a lot of the stuff that you guys write. Now, um, Ira, uh, Fair has been uh, down in the in uh, on the in uh, on the border. Uh, whereabouts have you guys been, and uh, what is it that you've been seeing and, and uh, learning? Well, we're, we're even deeper uh, down in Texas, uh, along
2: the border in El Paso. Uh, and what we're seeing here is a situation that is rapidly spinning out of control. Uh, you know, we've had problems along the border for a long time, but what we're seeing now is a new phenomenon. Uh, we, we're seeing people using our judicial system uh, as a way to paralyze our our ability to enforce laws in this country. Uh, You have people coming across that border en masse. Uh, There were more than 100,000 people uh, that they apprehended at the border in March. April's numbers aren't out yet, but it's probably going to be even higher. And all of these people are going into the judicial system. Essentially, what they're doing is flooding the zone and and making it virtually impossible uh, for the judicial system to deal with these things in any kind of meaningful way.
1: You know, it's it's a tragedy. I mean, I I have been down to the the border several times. And uh, whereas they used to run away from the Border Patrol, now they introduce themselves to the Border Patrol. Uh, The only people that are avoiding the Border Patrol are the younger young young men who, in many cases, might be up to no good. So uh, tell us about that that uh, that phenomenon. I mean, what do we need to do? What can we do?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's correct. The only people who are trying to avoid the Border Patrol now are the drug runners. And there's plenty of that going on. Uh, But you're right. You know, if the Border Patrol doesn't find, you know, the other uh, people coming across illegally, they will seek out the Border Patrol because they've come to understand that all you have to do is say, I want political asylum. And you're going to get into the system. You're going to get a court date probably years in advance. Uh, in the meantime, you're going to be released into this country. Uh, we don't have the capacity to hold that many people. Uh, if you come, especially with children under the age of 18, uh, the maximum that we can hold them uh, as a result of a, a ruling by a California judge a few years ago uh, is 20 days. Even if these kids are together with their parents, uh, we cannot hold the family as a unit for more than 20 days. And so we're seeing a sharp increase in the number of family units coming. In fact, uh, there have been reports uh, that have been confirmed by the Border Patrol that people are you know, basically renting kids uh, to come across that border because they know that they'll be out. Uh, and the, kid, you know, the Border Patrol says they see these kids over and over again because they're just uh, taken back across the border and used by other adults to get into the United States. So Congress needs to finally step up to the plate here uh, and do something to make our asylum system uh, protect people who truly are fleeing political persecution and prevent people from abusing the system just to get into the country. They also need to overrule this single judge in California who made this ridiculous decision uh, that basically says kids are get out of jail free cards. Uh, but Congress doesn't seem to want to do much of anything except investigate the president these days. Uh,
1: so we're kind of stuck with the system that we have right now, which is basically chaos. You know, it, it's very, very. That, that's a very interesting point that you're raising because um, this morning uh, I uh, I read where uh, about the big meeting that was held yesterday between the president and uh, Nancy Pelosi and and um, uh, and Schumer. And uh, they discussed uh, two trillion dollars for the um, for infrastructure, for roads and tunnels and bridges and everything else. But apparently, they couldn't. They, they didn't discuss anything about immigration or the seven billion that we need for border security. Do you really think? I mean, you guys are right there in D.C. Uh, do you think that it is uh, that it is, that this Congress is capable to even address this issue? it is unwilling and for
2: political reasons uh you know let, I mean, let's be honest the republicans had full control of congress for the first two years of the trump administration they didn't do it uh you know they found all sorts of excuses not to do it uh, and clearly now that the democrats are back in control of the house of representatives but that's not going to happen uh you know with nancy pelosi sitting there in the speaker's chair uh but you know you're right i mean we're, we're talking about spending money on infrastructure uh we could spend you know a few billion dollars to build that border fence you go just east of el paso out into um into the country there and the wall ends uh and people are coming across that border drugs are coming across that border uh This is a basic investment that will pay dividends in the long run. Not only will it stop the abuse of our political asylum system and and actually won't stop the abuse of our political asylum, but it will stop a lot of illegal immigration. It will also cut down on the costs that result from illegal immigration. Once people are in this country, we, the taxpayers, are responsible for the health care, we're responsible for the education of kids at the federal, state, and local level. It's costing about 135 billion dollars each year, and Congress refuses to come up with, you know, just not just the seven billion dollar down payment on the wall, but about the 25 billion dollars it would cost uh, to really secure the border. That's a one-time investment that would save us costs down the road, and yet they refuse to consider it.
1: Now, when we talk about health care, I mean, obviously, health care has become a very, very sexy thing for for some of these uh, Democrat congr- uh, candidates for president to talk about uh, Medicare for everyone. I would imagine that in, that includes uh, illegal aliens as well, uh, e- Medicare coverage for them. Um, but one of the things that we're seeing are these outbreaks of, of diseases uh, have you uh, seen anything like that, or heard about anything down there in the um, uh, in, in, in the area where you've been? Well,
2: we ha- haven't heard specifically about the outbreak of the diseases, but we know that you know a lot of people are coming to the United States in poor health. Uh, they are coming with communicable diseases, and they're not receiving the sort of screening that a legal immigrant would have before he or she set foot in the United States. So it does pose a risk. Uh, But even just the routine health care. Look, I mean, we are a a civilized country. We're not going to allow people to die in the streets. If people need health care, it has to be provided. And if they're here uh, and they can't afford to pay for it themselves, we, the taxpayers, are going to put the bill. But the best way to deal with that is to prevent them from being here in the first place. You know, once they're here, we have are kind of committed uh, to dealing with at least the most basic necessities, uh, K-12 through education, which the Supreme Court has said any child has the right to, or, you know, emergency health care. But nothing says that we have to allow people to come into the country in the first place. We, we need to have policies in place that send a very clear signal, don't come because we're not going to tolerate this kind of abuse, and we simply cannot afford to provide it for everybody who shows up here.
1: Uh, I, I, I worked in the in the Reagan administration. On, in fact, I worked on the 1986 law a- as well as uh, my family has seen. Uh, we've been for generations in South Texas, and we've seen the impact of uh, illegal immigration, both in job competition, as well as many other things that are going on, the crime, et cetera, et cetera. How do we convince folks in uh, in, in in Iowa, in Michigan, that this is a problem that's going to affect them? Uh, tremendously, if we if we continue to allow this, I mean, how do we reach that? How do we how do we push this message out?
2: Well, I, I think the folks in Iowa and Michigan and all over the country already are convinced it is the po- political leadership uh, that simply wants to ignore this problem for political reasons. You look at the Democratic Party today, you know, you go back just a few years ago, you had people like Chuck Schumer, uh, you know, they may not have, he may not have been sincere, but he talked about the need for border security, that we have to enforce our immigration laws. Now the Democrats have ceased to make any pretense at all about enforcement. It's now abolish ICE, uh, no detention, they're basically given up on any kind of pretense of wanting to enforce the laws at the border or in the interior of the country. That is what has changed, but the American public certainly understands the need for any nation to secure its borders and to enforce its
1: immigration laws, because no nation can exist very long if it doesn't do those things. That's right. That's right. I I really want to thank you for coming on our show. Uh, tell the folks how they can follow uh, uh, FAIR and uh, what, uh, you know, uh, what it is that uh, they can do to, to be more supportive of you guys well they can go to our
2: website which is fairus.org that's f-a-i-r-u-s dot o-r-g fairus.org and all the information about uh, how to get in touch with us is right there
1: wonderful thank you very much for joining us today
2: it's a pleasure thank you
3: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, ElConservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930AMTheAnswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: All right, my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from KLUP AM 930 Radio here in San Antonio, the heart of South Texas. And we have uh, a guest with us, uh, Mr. Uh, Surab Sharma, who happens to be the state chairman of uh, the Young Conservatives of Texas. And uh, we we're always talking about the need for young people to be involved in the conservative movement. Well, here is a young man that is. Uh, not only is involved, he's chairing the effort for it. Welcome to the show, Sharma How are you? I'm doing great, George. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. All right, so tell us, tell us, what is the Young Conservatives of Texas? What is it that you guys do? Uh, what's your goals? What, uh, what? What? Tell us about the organization. Sure. So,
4: for those of you who aren't aware, you, you know, you, you hear a lot of names floating around as far as college conservative organizations, either College Republicans, either Turning Point USA, Young Americans to Freedom. YCT, Young Conservatives of Texas, is actually one of the oldest. We were founded around the height of the young conservative movement in the 1980s. Um, And we were essentially an offshoot of the uh, Texans for Reagan campaign uh, that failed the first time around, as everyone knows. uh, but, but, But Reagan won Texas. And that was a lot of the groundwork for what ended up being a successful run the next cycle. And so... Our founder, Steve Ministeri, who would later go on to be the Republican Party of Texas Chairman, uh, Deputy Assistant to the President, and, and now a Senior Advisor to John Cornyn, saw the need for an organization that cared about Texas in Texas, because the risk you face with these national organizations is, A, you have to have sort of a, a political tent that includes California and Texas, which can be very different, um, although perhaps not at that time. Uh, But also it takes, you know, money, resources and energy from Texas to out of Texas and Steve recognized as, as we do today, that focusing on the state and local levels of government is just as important, if not more so than focusing on the federal government. And so giving
1: I really, really like what you say about um, state and local politics, because as I understand the Constitution, that's how it was built. It was built around the idea that local folks govern local issues and impact on national issues. Uh, We seem to focus on the nation on D.C., and we forget what's happening in our own backyard. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how you focus on that. I mean, how is it that you work on that?
4: So, you know, again, we're primarily a college-based organization. We have some activities that coordinate, that we coordinate for our alumni, but we are, at our core, a college-based organization. So how does a student get to the point where they're joining a campus conservative organization? Chances are they listen to podcasts. You know Ben Shapiro, people like that, Stephen Crowder, or maybe they, you know, grew up in a nominally conservative family. Maybe they're Christian. You know, there's all sorts of reasons. Very few that have anything to do with an interest in state and local politics that get people to the point where they would seek out an organization, any organization. Our job then is to bring them in and focus all of that energy and enthusiasm they come with in productive ways. And we have a couple of core principles that we believe in when it comes to how to do that. One is we don't believe in making ourselves victims. Um, there's a lot of conservative victimhood that goes on. And we take an alternative approach, I think the better approach, uh, you know, as Newt Fingers called it, the happy warrior approach. You know, we we are enthusiastic and, and gleeful in our activism and our efforts, and we believe that we're,
1: we're doing good by doing so. But Wh- also... Yeah, you whistle, you whistle, whistle while you work. work. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You whistle while you work. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, you know when we're
4: tabling and, and doing that sort of stuff we have a smile on our face we're not very self-serious if you will we believe in the seriousness of the topics we're talking about but we're not going to we're not going to act like it's the end of the world if something doesn't go our way now state and local politics can be a bitter pill compared to the you know the fun of national politics and so it's our job to educate people to the point that they can consume state politics in a similar way they do national politics, and that's educating them about the issues, you know, what is property tax reform, how does the pro-life fight manifest at the state level, what can we do about sanctuary cities, you know, it, it, it can be some of those red meat issues applied at the state level, but it can also be entirely heterodox issues like, you know, the interaction between state and local government or teachers' unions and things like that. And so um, really educating our members about those issues, inspiring them to get involved at that level. And maybe, you know, instead of considering going to D.C. for an internship, maybe considering going to their state capital or one of the numerous advocacy organizations that we have good relationships with that fight on particular issues like fiscal responsibility or life, um, pushing them in a the more productive direction, because at the end of the day, there's not really much that any one young conservative or any one state of young conservatives
1: can do in BC. There's a lot they can do at home. That's right. That's right. Now, let me ask you this, because, I mean, the 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 great challenge has got to be the, uh, the antagonism, the uh, rampant radical liberalism, uh, leftism that uh, exists on the campuses now. Uh, how do you handle that? How do your members uh, work with that? Or how, what is, uh, how do you look at that challenge?
4: We're very transparent with our members that you run the risk as a campus activist of being harassed, of being, having your public and inf- private information put on the Internet and, and facing a certain curriculum. And that's why we, we sort of create experiences within our club that are a sort of take your own adventure. You know, if you just want to be part of the social environment, maybe get an internship, that's fine. But if you'd like to be part of the campus activism, that is an avenue available to you. You put yourself at a certain amount of risk, but people are kept well aware of those risks. And, And it's important because at the end of the day, the activism that groups like YCT do on campus, they blow open the window of acceptable discourse on campus much more to the right and make it a lot easier for the nominal Republican, the slightly right-of-center person, even the centrist, to express their views on campus and not feel like they're the extremists you know people say you know ultra conservative hyper conservative like i'll gladly take that label yeah i'm a hyper conservative and and that makes it a lot easier for the less hyper conservative to operate on campus and so not everyone is cut out to be a young conservative activist on a college campus who's out there um but the people who are they're a small cadre of folks we have a few at every campus and they do really important work kind of holding the line for conservatism on the college campus
1: you know uh uh a a couple of years ago I spoke at Rice University and one of the shocking sad situations was to hear was to speak to a young white male who came up and and told me how uh, afraid he was of uh, of just not only just speaking up but sometimes even showing up to classroom discussions where he would be the target because he was a white male. Uh, it, it, do you see this kind of uh, of risk? I mean, to me, that's more than a risk. To me, that's that's outright attacking. It depends on the discipline. Um, so I'm a biochemistry
4: major, so I don't see too much of that in my class. But I have peers who are in sociology, psychology, liber- uh, you know, government, those sort of classes. And depending on the professors, sometimes that sort of environment can exist. We have some good professors at schools like UT who do foster an environment of genuine academic freedom and, and, and civil discourse. But we have some professors that are not interested in that. And you see it a lot in the advocacy disciplines. Anything that ends in studies, there be dragons. You know, it's, it, it tends to be pretty risky, women's studies, gender studies, LGBTQ studies, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so you certainly do get a lot of that in those classes. Now, a lot of sensible students tend to avoid those classes to the best of their ability. And so it really is a rare situation where one of our conservative students is experiencing that. But it certainly does happen. And you wonder about the students who kind of don't know what they're getting into when they get into this and then end up in those classes and then being subjects of ridicule. And, and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of censure and, 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 and harassment. Um, I really do feel for them.
1: Uh, so uh, here at the conclusion, we're going to we're going to wrap up in a few moments, but uh, tell the folks how they can uh, what how we can support young conservatives of Texas, where they can learn more about you guys. Sure. So www.yct.org.
4: It's pretty simple. If you search Young Conservatives of Texas, it'll immediately pop up. Um, contributing financially is always helpful. You know, uh, none of us are particularly wealthy. And so we fund a lot of our activism out of our own pockets at the state level. We put on state conventions where we try and educate people about these issues. You know, these issues are important because at the end of the day, they affect taxpayers' pocketbooks a lot more than any of the federal issues do. And so to
1: Sirab, thank you very, very much, folks. We've been talking with Sirab uh, Sharma, who is the state chairman of Young Conservatives of Texas. Uh, let us know how we can continue. We will continue. Well, uh, we will continue chatting with you, uh, Sirab, and uh, let us know of any uh, news items or anything that we can uh, help you to publicize. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP, 930 AM, The Answer. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and uh, we're talking with Mr. Sebastian Quaid, who is a student. At Texas State University, and Sebastian, uh, I reached out to him because there was an incident, a very curious incident, uh, a violent one at that, uh, on um, Wednesday, uh, the 1st, May 1st, uh, May Day, uh, appropriately, uh, between some leftists and um, a young man who was minding his own business, apparently, and uh, I wanted to reach out to YCT, to the young to the Young Conservatives of Texas, uh, the chapter there at Texas State University in San Marcos, uh, about this incident because uh, it appears that the um, fake news is often running with uh, their version, and I certainly wanted to get his version or their version. So, uh, Sebastian, welcome to the show. Uh, what can you tell us? What happened uh, yesterday, or was it Tuesday? Was it yesterday, or was it Tuesday that it happened? It was uh, May the first. Uh, May first. Okay. So what happened? Okay. What happened on Wednesday, May first, um, uh, on the campus? Can you tell us? Um, you know uh, what um, what precipitated? What happened, and how did it? Why did it happen?
5: Yeah. So uh, if you guys remember correctly, back when the Texas State Student Government was trying to ban another organization, uh, TP USA, a, uh, biker gang known as the Texas nomad SARS, um, wanted to come and protest on campus in support of the first amendment. Um, instantly they got authorized as a white supremacist group. Um, they had their, they have pictures of their, one of their members at uh, the Charlottesville incident a couple years ago with the, uh, whatever it was, Boys, all that stuff. Um, so everybody didn't really want them to come, and BLM, or Black Lives Matter, uh, Young Democratic Socialist Alliance, and uh, Antifa decided that they were going to protest, the, uh, the biker gang on
1: May 1st. So they were going to have a counter-protest if this if this biker pro- group showed up. Correct. And the
5: biker group, according to the police, never showed
1: up. Gotcha. Yep, that's been reported. That's been reported by the, by the news media, that uh, there was no biker gang, that no one showed up. So what provoked this ba- this fight? What happened? So YCT wasn't doing anything.
5: Uh, we weren't even tabling that day. We were not on the quad. Uh, we were just going to class like a normal school day, you know, walking through the protests and all that stuff. Um, and one of our younger members, he's a freshman, uh, was wearing his Trump "Make America Great Again" hat like he does every day, uh, and immediately started getting harassed by the leftists. Uh, organizations, um, which led to him getting his hat ripped off his head, and he kind of asked the, the girl for his hat back, and the police like grabbed her and said, "You need to give his hat back." And she ended up, and she got taken to the ground and put in handcuffs.
1: Okay, let me let me stop you there because yeah, yeah. because I have I, I I have heard I have heard that uh, th- that uh, first of all the news media is saying that the altercation was between uh one of the leftists and a white supremacist that's number 1 number 2 they are saying that the that this white supremacist this person uh attacked the woman when she when she uh, apparently took his hat and that he attacked her and um and took the hat away from her uh from her is that uh is that your version or is that uh, what happened
5: this is this, this is completely false Um, Information. My member is not a white supremacist, and uh, he did not, I don't even think he even touched the chick. I think he just said, can I have my hat back, please?
1: And the Uh, police were there already when all of this happened. Say again? The police were there already when all of this happened, correct?
5: Yeah, they were, as soon as they saw her take the hat, they were on scene and they, you know, grabbed her by the arm and said, you need to give him his hat
1: back. So if anybody did any tackling, it was probably the police of her, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. So then what happened? Um, after they put the
5: random chicken handcuffs, it prompted the president of young Democrat socialist Alliance and one of our student senators, uh, to, I don't know what they were trying to do, but they grabbed the police and the police ended up arresting both of them as well.
1: Gotcha. Uh, and then they asked my member if he could follow them to the police station on campus and make a report. Gotcha. Uh,
5: As he was walking with the police, somebody else decided to attack him again. And uh, they they finally made it back to the police station. And as soon as they unhandcuffed the student senator, she went berserk again, and they ended up having to put her back in handcuffs.
1: Wow. Now, uh, of course, there is uh, all sorts of rumors flying and reports uh, that um, this is a racist police incident because everybody that was arrested... And I have no idea who was arrested, but that's the the claim is that everyone that was arrested was a was a person of color. Um, From what I have seen on the videos, I only see the people of color being the violent ones.
5: Yeah, I'm not really wanting to make a comment about racism issues, but it it does seem that the uh, more minorities were on the uh, left side in this instance.
1: Amazing. That's amazing. All right. So uh, has the has the atmosphere at at Texas State been that volatile against uh, against anyone uh, Republican or conservative? Uh, Is it has it been that volatile or has that been that heated against you? It's been building
5: up Um, last last spring. We had somebody write, or not. We uh, somebody in the school at the University Star wrote an opinion piece. Called uh, your your DNA is an abomination, and it was basically an opinion piece about how all white people should be genocided, and you know stuff like that, normal stuff. Wow! Um, which prompted our student body president to say that the university star needs to be defunded if they're going to allow pieces like this to be printed out in the newspaper. Yes. Um, and then they threatened to impeach the university or the, the student body president. And I think he either resigned or was impeached two days before his term was even up to begin with. So, you know, big whoop.
1: Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What uh, what do you plan to do now? Now that um, it seems like this genie, this violent genie, is out of the is out of the box. What do you guys plan to do? I mean, how do you how safe are you going to feel? Are how are you going to be able to walk around with a with a MAGA hat? Uh, are you going to be uh- able to have? tables on the quadrant you know what What exactly are you going to be able to do now
5: so uh, basically yct is going to keep on keeping on we're still going to table every thursday like we normally do um, yct asks that we don't or not ask but if you're with yct we're a texas organization and we focus mainly on texas policies um and we don't really support any candidates we, we're principles over party so we we want to teach and and foster the idea of conservatism rather than promoting political candidates or politicians in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that this kid was wearing his MAGA hat just even further shows that he wasn't even with YCT at that point. Uh, we, I don't even really think we weren't doing anything that day either. Um, I did ask that all my members and officers uh, buddy up today and don't walk alone, don't be anywhere in the dark, stuff like that. Uh, InfoWars showed up on campus today. We didn't ask them to come either. They just did that on their own.
1: Now, tell, tell the folks who InfoWars are is, in case they don't know.
5: Uh, InfoWars is uh, Alex Jones' uh, media outlet, I guess you could call it. It's a little out there. Um, YCT doesn't really approve of some of the stories they have. So we, we kind of stayed away from that as well.
1: So it, it, it seems to me like all you guys are trying to do is promote conservatism, and all of a sudden, you're getting slammed from from uh, two sides uh, over incident, an incident that you had nothing, no control over whatsoever. Correct, correct. My goodness. So, um, uh, tell the folks how you know. How can we support you? What can we do to support you? Of anything?
5: Um, you can go on our website yct org, uh, and you can click the donate button. That would be really helpful. Um, We're we're limited by how much we can actually do to promote conservatism, by how much money we have to spend on things. Um, And we have chapters all over the state, so if you're listening to this outside of San Antonio, you can find your local chapter at whatever university you're closest to. Uh, But, yeah, that's one of our main issues. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook. It's, uh, what is that Facebook? Young Conservatives of Texas. And then you can also find each individual college's Facebook, our college chapters, Facebook as well. We also have Twitters and Instagrams.
1: Well, I, I really, I I really applaud your courage, your tenacity, and uh, your principles. I mean, I really, really do. Um, Please keep us informed. I would love to follow up on this and find out what's the fallout to this. I I would imagine that uh, the university is probably going to run for the for for the hills uh, to try to uh, uh, put a, a. Uh, a good spin on this whole nasty situation. Uh, Have they tried blaming you guys or or saying anything about this? Not yet,
5: but um, the president, just as we're talking just now, uh, posted a video on her response from yesterday and of the police chief. So I'm going to have to watch that and see what's going on there.
1: Okay. All right. This was the person, this was the, the, the person that, that uh, got arrested by the, by the police officers and, and misbehaved at the uh, at at the police station. No, no, no. This was the president of the university. Oh, at the and university. The chief of the UPD. Gotcha, gotcha. So she's going she's going to uh, probably apologize and put a, a good spin on this whole situation. Uh, Sebastian, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, like I said, please, please, please keep us informed. Uh, let us okay. know what's going on, and uh, and uh, you know more than anything else, we want to be sure. That we overcome the fake news and their comments, because um, you know I already saw on KX on on, on K, uh, X-A-N-TV, uh they quoted a student anonymously accusing the um, uh, ac- accusing the uh, perpetrator supposedly as a white supremacist, and you know I mean they're they're already running with their own narrative, so uh, we want to be able to to take care of this. Yes, sir, absolutely. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP, 930 a.m. radio, The Answer.
3: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930AMTheAnswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, on KLUP 930AM Radio, and we have a guest with us, um, Mr. Michael Cutler, who is a former uh, agent with uh, Immigration, the old INS, Immigration Naturalization Service, where uh, yours truly also used to work. And uh, Michael is uh, renowned for his uh, speaking engagements and his, um, uh, and his perceptions of what's going on. So we thought we'd uh, ask him to come on and talk to us about... Um, his background, as well as what uh, he feels is going on in, uh, in in the immigration crisis. So welcome, Michael. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, George. It's great to join you. Great to speak to your
6: audience. Uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker, and I was with the old INS for 30 years. I began my career in 1971 as an immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport. Spent four years in that assignment. For one of those four years, I was assigned as an adjudications officer doing the marriage interviews, uh, looking to... Um, approve applications when appropriate, and seek out fraud uh, when, in fact, fraud was committed. And then in 1975, I became a special agent. And within my first year, I tripped over a terror plot in Israel, a so-called routine case. An alien with an altered visa coming in at Kennedy Airport turned out to be a terrorist who was here to get the money so that a, uh, a bombing could be carried out at an Israeli oil refinery, working with the Israeli National Police and the FBI, we were able to thwart the plot and it was my introduction to the nexus between immigration and terrorism Um, throughout my career i wrote it through all the squads within the investigations branch in new york Uh, in 1988 i became the first ins agent to be assigned to the unified intelligence division of the drug enforcement administration the dea 1991 i was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the organized crime drug enforcement task force so I had desks at the FBI, DEA, ATF. I was in that assignment for the final 10 years of my 30-year career. And I've been before, I think we're up to 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate. I've testified before state legislative hearings. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. And in point of fact, on 9-11, the ashes from the conflagration at Ground Zero landed at, at, on my home, on my neighborhood and in part contained the remains of my neighbors. I mean, this could not have been uh, hitting any closer to home. Um, My house is 10 miles due south of what used to be the original World Trade Center, another complex that that has uh, been built, but uh, ground zero was 10 miles from my house. And what was probably most frustrating was I had testified before Congress four and a half years before 9-11 on the nexus between immigration fraud, visa fraud, and terrorism. You know, the crisis isn't just about the Mexican border, and that border is a crisis, but we do have 50 border states. Any state with an international airport, any state that lies along the northern or southern borders, any state that has access to America's 95,000 miles of coastline are border states. And the one point I want to make, and I want everyone to think about this, you know, you mentioned I speaking engagements. I had the privilege of addressing a room filled with Air Force brass two weeks ago in Washington, and they made a point that they all agreed with. Much as we hear so much about the military working with the Border Patrol to help to secure that very porous and dangerous U.S.-Mexican border, the mission, the prime mission of immigration is to back up the military, and most people don't don't understand that. Um, The idea behind all five branches of the U.S. military, their primary shared mission is to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, that vital task that involves nothing less than national security and public safety falls to the Border Patrol and then to the ICE agents who operate from within the interior of the United States. That's how significant our immigration laws are, although the globalists in both parties would, you know, gloss over it and say, oh, it's only immigration. It's about people that want to wash dishes and do those jobs you don't want to do. Uh, there's far more involved. And In fact, if you look at drug trafficking and terrorism, Immigration is the key issue. Those international terrorists, the drug traffickers, the gangs, if they're from other countries, all violate multiple states, uh, and that's why it's so darn important that we really uh, give immigration enforcement the emphasis that it has needed for decades
5: uh, but has been lacking.
1: Let me ask you this, uh, Michael, because uh, this Monday, uh, this Monday uh, the uh, U.S. announced that... uh, it's sending a, um, uh, a carrier and uh, several uh, uh, battle groups battle over, group, yeah, yeah, over to uh, over to the Middle East, and uh, we've been seeing how Hamas has been uh, attacking and and bombing uh, uh, Israel. Yep. Uh, while that is going on, um, we've got strained. Uh, we've got so many so many. Uh, Agents working the border, working the, well, not only the border, but working all over the, you know, every port of entry uh, strain. Do you think it's possible that sleeper groups could be getting in and we don't even know about it? I mean, I hate to Absolutely. be an alarmist. In fact, I just
6: uh, did a piece for DML News, uh, Dennis Michael Lynch, about this, and there's a podcast on his website. I write the front page magazine, frontpagemag.com. I hope after the program, after the program, to check out the front page magazine. Um, in fact, uh, the point that I have made is that if you look at what happened during the Second World War, to carry out D-Day successfully, Operation Overlord, uh, in the run-up, and the preparations, our forces, General Eisenhower and the Allies, understood that if we had to confront, we, the American military, the Allied military, had to confront the full German army on the, uh, on the Normandy shore, we couldn't have succeeded, and that was the turning point for the Second World War. So a a deception was created, known as the Calais Deception. They put General Patton in charge of a phantom division to convince the Germans erroneously that we were going to be attacking through Calais, not through Normandy. Germany was forced to split its forces. Consequently, although it was a bloodbath and so many young men were killed and wounded, we were able to prevail, and that was the turning point to the war. Iran has warned us that they plan to send us bombs, terrorists, assassins, drugs, and refugees That's the statement that President Rouhani made in response to President Trump properly, I would add, backing out of that terrible nuclear deal with Iran. And so we see them ramping up. And in fact, today, a sleeper agent who was part of Hezbollah, a guy by the name of Qurani, is going on trial. And he was identified as a sleeper uh, living and working as a shoe salesman, believe it or not, in, in New York City. You know, sleeper agents are people who would not attract the attention of a waiter or waitress at a greasy spoon diner. And you could say the same of terrorists. And we know that Iran is working in close coordination with human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America, not only to smuggle drugs into the United States as a means of generating huge amounts of money, but also as a means of bringing sleeper agents into the United States. And there have been a number of such agents who have been arrested in the United States scoping out potential targets that Iran would want to hit. So think about the battle group, the, uh, the um, USS Abraham Lincoln aircraft carrier and all of the ships that travel with it being sent to the Middle East out of concerns and caution that Iran would want to attack our troops, which is apparently the intelligence that's been developed. Don't for a heartbeat think that this could not
1: also include a terror attack carried out within the borders of the United States. Wow! Now, let me given given that kind of a scenario. Give me your opinion of uh, sanctuary cities and sanctuary communities, where uh, the local police are uh, are handcuffed, for lack of better words, uh, to um, uh, to work with ICE agents uh, in uh, in doing this. Does that impact? Does, do those sanctuary cities impact in any form or fashion? On uh, intelligence gathering as well?
6: Absolutely. You know, one of the lies that were being told lies in both parts, by the way, the system has become a delivery system, supply of cheap, exploitable labor, and there's no compassion in exploitation, and the limited supply of foreign tourists. That's why they expanded the visa waiver program even after 9 11. And for the immigration lawyers, think of this an unlimited supply of clients. Lawyers look at that disaster with those caravans that might well be that diversion to draw an analogy to what happened during the Second World War to tie up the Border Patrol uh, and point to fact 40% of Border Patrol agent resources in some sectors are now being diverted from securing the border to dealing with this massive onslaught of aliens. And that's why I make that comparison about, you know, getting our forces weakened um, and by the way, i got to read two quick quotes from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. First of all, this is how the preface begins. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, Border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. So we know that the terrorists need to come here to attack us. Sanctuary cities harbor and shield them. And one of the lies we're told is that if immigration agents work with the police, victims of crime who are here illegally won't come forward. That's a huge lie. One of the things I did when I was at DEA Intelligence was use my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses within the ethnic immigrant communities, not just from Latin America. You know, human nature is human nature. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't care if we're dealing with people from Europe, Asia, Africa, the Caribbean, or Latin America. Every group of people has the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's just the way humans are. We, we all bleed red, and we have the same personalities, whether they're good or bad. Uh, and when you talk about interior enforcement i have to read another quick quote from that same official report written by the agents and attorneys who are assigned to to the 9-11 commission abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity wow well if you talk about interior enforcement then you're looking at how sanctuary cities uh hobble and disrupt the enforcement of our immigration laws from within the interior. When people say, well, if these people don't have criminal histories, why arrest them? Well, if they're taking jobs, then those jobs are the jobs that Americans and lawful immigrants ought to be taking. And when you flood the um, labor pool with more workers, you drive down the value of the commodity. It applies to diamonds. It applies to petroleum. It applies to, to wheat. It applies to labor. These are commodities. Flood the market, you drive down the value. Flood the market with foreign workers, you destroy wages for Americans, you displace Americans. And meanwhile, we're also permitting terrorists to embed themselves. You know, the day before a terrorist attack, a terrorist is likely to be going to the job that he or she has had for the last several months or even years, hiding in plain sight what the 9-11 Commission referred to as the embedding process, waiting for that tap on the shoulder... That they're when they're called into action to kill right. lots
1: of Americans, Michael. Uh, yeah, Michael, we're we're real close to to uh, to okay. the end time here. Um, we've been talking with Michael uh, Cutler. Uh, Michael, tell them, tell the folks how they can uh, follow you on uh, Facebook or or how they can follow you on your website or whatever information sure. you can. Uh, I'm you. a techno dinosaur. I don't do Facebook. I'm sorry, but I do have a website. It's Michael
6: Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R, Michael I write for Front Page Magazine. I've got a bunch of articles up at the Social Contract. And of late, I've been uh, doing some writing for DML News. But the best way to read my articles, frontpagemag.com. Or please go to my website, michaelcutler.net, And get involved, folks. You know, democracy is not a spectator sport.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much, Michael. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio.